0: Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, we're talking on a subject that is a little bit out of the normal wheelhouse for productivity, but I think you can find the connection there. It's definitely Beyond the To-Do List. But I'm sharing with you a conversation I had with David G. Smith and Brad Johnson. They are the co-authors of the book Good Guys, How Men Can Be Better Allies for Women in the Workplace. And if you're a male in the workplace and have been uncomfortable with knowing how to cross into being aware of this topic and entering into it, having conversations with it, you're not alone. I've been there. I am there, even. And if you're a female, if you're a woman and... You're already aware of this topic because how could you not be? I don't look at this as being a a political issue as much as a human issue. So no matter where you are in this conversation or if you're not in it at all, I think there's some benefit to listening in on this specific conversation about this topic. I know that it was eye-opening and helpful for me personally, and I think it might be for you as well. So I'll get out of the way and just say, enjoy this conversation with David Smith and Brad Johnson. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, David Smith and Brad Johnson. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Eric. Thanks,
1: Eric. Great to be here.
0: So this is interesting. This is an interesting conversation. Uh, you guys have a brand new book out. It's called Good Guys. And this is one of those topics that a lot of people would think, well, how does that relate to productivity? And I can see it because of a story that I want to tell in like 30 seconds that, I don't know, gosh, I think it was back in w- whenever the first time was that uh, Obama was running for, for president. So I think it was 2008 if I'm not mistaken or, or 2007 into 2008, I was in the right. workplace. I had my cubicle. I I had my head down and I'm doing the work, but I keep hearing people talk, uh, both one way and the other about politics. And I just, it, it kind of drove me nuts. And it was such a distraction. I had to get noise canceling headphones to block people out. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, you would think, uh, okay, well, Oftentimes, when it comes to you know workplace relationships, especially when it, it comes to uh, the the topic of gender, um, that that would go political, and it, and it can be because people can do that. But I don't think you guys are doing that. I think you're coming at it from a from a true and uh, altruistic. You know, how can we look at this issue? And it's, it's clearly something that happens in the workplace and is a, is a topic that, you know, people walk on eggshells with. And so when I kind of started to get through the book, I'm like, yeah, this does make sense. I, I really, you know, I have a daughter. I want to make the world a better place for her as she's finishing up high school soon in a couple of years and into college and then the workplace. So that's a big long story, but that's, that's kind of where my frame is of references for, for all of this and this topic. I would love to hear how did you stumble upon or find that this topic was an important topic to be talked about? And, and where do you think we're at with this?
2: Yeah. So this is Brad, Eric. And, I, and you know, um, so I think there's both a business and, and scholarly case and then a personal case for both Dave and I in terms of why we arrived at, you know, this this conversation and the work that we're doing. Um, so I'll start with the the. You know the research and sort of the business case. I have spent my whole career looking at mentoring relationships, and one of the things I've consistently noticed is research showing that women get less mentoring. They certainly get less sponsoring, and and when they're in a male-centric profession or organization, that's exacerbated. You know, it's worse, and for a variety of reasons, men just don't lean in. They don't engage with women uh, as mentors, as sponsors, even as allies you know more broadly and so my colleague dave smith came along brand new sociologist a number of years ago and and his research was all about gender work and family we began having these great conversations about uh, why men are often missing in these conversations, whether it's about mentoring and sponsoring women in the workplace or whether it's about, uh, you know, promoting equity and showing up at events that promote gender diversity and inclusion, guys are just often missing. And so Dave and I were looking at all this research from the business world showing that when, when you have more gender inclusion, when you, when you g- truly have gender balance in leadership, more women included all the way up into the C suite, those companies do better. You know, they're more productive, they're more effective. Um, when there's better cross gender collaboration, not only do women benefit, but men benefit as well. And we can talk more about how they benefit, but lots of evidence showing that we men get better when we have good, close, collegial relationships with women. So that was the mystery for Dave and I. Why are guys not engaging? And that led us to start our first batch. Of research that led to Athena Rising, our first book, uh, all about how men can be better mentors for women.
1: Uh, Dave, other things you would add? Yeah, so the, the you know the, the other part of that story is that you know as Athena Rising came out in 2016, uh, Brad and I were busy out there doing a lot of speaking and workshops and trying you know to work specifically in engaging men and being better mentors and sponsors. And and then in 2017, Me Too went widespread around the world and brad and i found ourselves being pulled into more conversations not ne- up around the narrow focused area of mentoring and sponsoring but more broadly around how men can be better allies how can we just show up in the workplace every day uh, no matter what level of leadership you're at if you're a brand new employee or you're the the chair of the board but how can we show up as better allies in the workplace and and what would that look like and it was interesting in our early conversations with men about this topic that, you know, in public, you know, most men are, are, are willing to, cons- you know, to admit that, hey, I'm a, I'm all about gender equity. I'm all, I'm all for gender equality, much in, along the same lines, you know, as you were talking about, Eric, in your story, that most people will tell you that that they believe in that. And so, well, if, if that's the case, if most people, most men believe in that, then why aren't they doing the work? What's holding us back? What's keeping us from doing this work? And, and, Brad and I set out to do the research for this in particular to look at so what's holding guys back and then what would help them be better allies and what does that look like? And so for both books, um, we use very similar research methodology and employing together the best social and behavioral science research evidence to back up the uh the best practices that are going on out there in the world today but really important because i think as we found out with the first book that when we went to our female colleagues and we we talked to them about our project and the research we were doing and the fact that we're going to be writing about and talking about um uh, gender and relationships in the workplace and they looked at us and they said really you two do realize you're two dudes talking about gender and diversity and relationships, right? And so we're like, yeah, we get it. But it was it was a reminder for us, I think, to make sure that women's voices were front and center in all the work that we did. So we we did hundreds of interviews across for both books and uh, for women and men. And, you know, for obviously the, for the first book, it was focused on, on what what did great mentoring look like and what were what did male mentors do? But for this for the new book, Good Guys was really asking women what did world class best in class male allyship look like? What did these guys do? What did they most appreciate? What would they like other men to do more of and to know that these guys in particular were doing these things out there? And then we got to talk to the men that they considered to be allies. So they had to nominate men as allies. We didn't allow men to self-promote or self-nominate themselves into the book. And and these guys would share their stories with us about the work they were doing, very humble. Um, and I would say that up front, you know, humility is a an important key trait in particular for for allies broadly because it helps us in learning and developing awareness of of how other people might experience the workplace differently than we do as as maybe people in in, in the majority more often so that led to the to good guys and and I'll just tell you that when we talk about allyship that we're talking really there's two parts to this um and, and this was very clear when we talked to the men and the women in the interviews, um, across industries and professions out there that allyship starts with interpersonal allyship. And this is the, how do we as, as individuals show up every day in the workplace, hold ourselves accountable for our behavior and our language, the kinds of supportive and collaborative relationships we have with others. And, and, and just again, holding yourself individually accountable for doing the work around gender equity and, and keeping yourself accountable. The harder part that guys talked about was really the public allyship and, and really getting after systemic change within their organization or their teams out there. And so this, because this required men to put some skin in the game, they had to be out there in public and they had to, when they saw something or heard something, they had to disrupt the status quo, point it out, confront in some cases, uh, create change, which again, often was going kind of against the grain or the norm of the organization organization or of the team out there. And so these are these are hard things to do uh, for men and in particular that because, again, these are also the things that have largely helped to benefit us in, in terms of making the workplace very, very easy and normal and feeling very comfortable for us every day. And so creating this change makes it makes it a little uncomfortable for everybody. And so we have to get a little bit comfortable with that discomfort.
0: It seems to me like there's probably about four different kinds of people that are listening in right now, and they would fall into, and I may, there may be more, but uh, I'm assuming that there's either, uh, some guys who don't have any idea about this topic at all, or some that have strong feelings about it and feel like, yes, I'm aware I've exceed, you know, I've experienced this, I've seen it, but I've not really known what my place is in being an ally. And then even a step beyond that, where no, I'm I'm signed up, I'm in, I I'm convinced, but I don't know how to do. Again, like you alluded to, the uh, my my part in the organizational change that needs to happen. And then I assume that there are uh, women who are listening, and they are definitely on board, saying, "Okay, well, here's what I want to say about what I, you know, how I can help you along in this regard in terms of they've experienced it." So I kind of want to maybe touch on all four of those, but maybe starting with that first one, what do you guys – what do you good guys say to those guys who may not even have a handle on or an awareness of this at all and are starting to become aware of it as these last few years have gone by?
2: Yeah. So I can start with that group, Eric. And, you know, that, that's a group that actually we feel very fondly about. You know, those are guys who maybe are just kind of waking up in different ways to how the workplace is unequal, how it disadvantages women that they care about, you know, and I think there are different ways to tap into the motivation for those guys, you know, so one is just to have a conversation. Um, you mentioned your daughter, uh, Eric, and, you know, a lot of guys sort of have those First epiphanies that hey maybe this gender equity and, and inclusion thing is good for everyone, not just women, and I can I can actually play a part in this. Often they they get their first inklings that this matters when they have a daughter or um, their partner. If they're partnered with a woman, uh, their partner or their wife tells them about something. You know, really awful she experienced in the workplace or it happens to their sister or, or even a close work colleague. So that personal case, uh, I, you know, we love to tap into that, you know, think of the women you care about and some of the obstacles they encounter and, and would you want them to consistently have to experience these? Sometimes also it is showing men how they benefit. And, you know, I alluded to that before, but you know, the evidence is so clear that when we men mentor women, Women, when we have women who are mentors, when we have close female friends in the workplace, uh, we do better. Uh, we're, our networks are wider we enjoy our work more we we tend to develop these friendships that can be career long with women we uh, develop some better eq and listening and communication skills and those are all things we get to transport into other relationships like our our home relationships so it's a win-win it's good for women good for companies uh certainly good for us men and yeah we want to pull those guys into the conversation and it's not that they're you know we'd have they're they're kicking and dragging their feet, they they often just don't have a sense of what I can contribute or what this conversation's all about. So we're happy to meet them there.
1: That second group, I think you mentioned, was the the ones who were look you're sitting on the sidelines who largely have bought into this but not sure what their role is or what to do. And and we see a lot of that uh, out there today. And and that was, you know, again, I think that was probably these first two groups here were the that the main part of the, a lot of the messaging for the the book good guys and really helping them to to begin to develop this awareness and how how do they be, how do they develop that awareness and and why it's important to have close female colleagues uh, friendships uh, peers that can provide feedback uh, to you in terms of what you're doing or what you're not doing or or how much you're doing because again this is one of the the aspects that we find out there is that Men because they believe in gender equity and they and they feel like they're in some cases doing it. Um, that that doesn't always translate into the kind of action that we think we're we, we might be actually doing out there. And so it's helpful to have uh, close colleagues who can give you that feedback and and show you what you are or aren't doing and and what and how how effective it might be as well in terms of uh, how is it landing with uh, the people around you and seeing that. And so I think. To close some of that allyship gap, it's, it's really helpful. And the, uh, the other part is, is really to help close blind spots in terms of the things that we don't see. Um, and this goes for both the first and the second groups that you, that you alluded to there, Eric, that, um, sometimes we just don't see these things. And we, so we have to begin to develop an awareness. And that comes again through the, uh, relationships that we have with uh, again women our, who are in our inner circle and some some guys talked about these as their kind of their gender confidants in, in in many ways and so those are important to have so that we can begin one to to close that gap and two see the blind spots there or see the problems that we know need to be fixed but we're just not sure what they are.
0: It's very interesting to me when I start to dig into this and I was trying to I was trying to think of you know where do I fit in. In this, you know, wh- how? Where am I at in my journey with this? And, and of course, I think that you know, my my talking about my daughter and mentioning her means that I've at least got somewhat of an awareness of this. I will admit that for a long time, it was a very surfacey level of awareness, where you would hear that this certain actor had gotten paid uh, half or a third or two thirds of the price you know, of, of, uh, another actor. And the difference was one was male and one was female and that really didn't make any difference, you know, and that, and that's a, that's a really surface level kind of awareness. But I think we've all heard that at some point in the past, you know, in the past five to seven years, as this has become more of a, you know, a, a collective awareness, I guess is the best way to put it. I'm curious how we can, as as males, what, what are some of those first steps that I know you've, you've mentioned a few already that we can kind of pick up and run with, but what are some of those, if we're, if we're starting off in this first or second group of no awareness or just slight awareness and, and moving further up into more awareness and into the, the point of taking action with our awareness, uh, what are some of these first steps in the workplace, but also maybe just in general,
1: Yeah, I think one one of the places that uh, that this might surprise you and that sometimes readers of our book, they're surprised that this comes up so early in the book and in terms of where to start. And Brad and I are big proponents of gender equity and being an ally starts at home. And again, that might seem like an odd uh, an odd place to start. But if, you know, women for so long have uh, again run households and have done the lion's share of the domestic responsibilities, you know, before, even before the pandemic, women were doing twice as much of the household labor, the unpaid labor at home than their, their male partners were. And, and that's, that's just gotten worse over the course of time through the pandemic, right? Because we've added homeschooling in there and, and they've done this all along over the last, especially the last, 30, 40 years now, since most families have dual career or dual earner families out there, they've been working a paid job as well. So they've got their paid job, and then they come home and they do this, the second shift, of, as as it's often called, of doing the uh, domestic responsibilities in childcare, the caregiving piece of it. And now they have a third shift, homeschooling, right? <laughs> because the pandemic has uh, bestowed that upon us as well. And, and so it's just really, we've in this time during the pandemic, we've had this light shine upon this, and, and we've really got to now take a look at the effects of it. And because we see, you know, again, we are just bleeding talent in organizations today with all the, you know, over a million women now during the pandemic have, um, you know, have left the workforce or been shoved or pushed out of the workforce is probably a better way to think about that because again, I don't think it was a choice for most of them that they wanted to make. So it's it's really important for us as guys to if you're if you're partnered with a woman um and you have kids at home as well, to think about, all right, so do the dishes. Are you doing your fair share of of the household responsibility at home? Your fair share of the child care, the caregiving at home. And it's more than just that part of it, there's also the emotional, the cognitive labor that goes with that. The We think about this as the multitude of lists that women run around with in their head. They're always keeping track of all of these different things, whether it's grocery lists or it's kids sizes or it's medicine or who's coming up on a birthday or the planning the next family trip or whatever the case might be. This cognitive labor adds up over time. And it's important that we as guys, you know, we begin to do our fair share and guys will look at us and go, well, I I think, you know, I think I'm doing my fair share. And I was like, well, if you don't know, if you're not sure, you should ask your partner, you should ask for an audit, go home and ask for that audit. And when, and when sit down and when she, she gives you the feedback that you need to be doing more, don't, don't fight her on it. Take it up and figure out, all right, what else am I going to take on as my fair share? Because, again, time, whether it's paid or unpaid labor in terms of time, is equal in value. And we have to begin to approach the value of time in that same way. And this even goes further, right? That we have to, you know, if you're not doing it for your partner, and and oh, by the way, you need to be a... A full, all-in supportive uh, partner for your partner's career, uh, in terms of supporting it. in the same way that most women have supported men's careers for most of their lives, we have to be doing the same thing as men and think about what does that look like for me to be a full su- full supporter of her career. But for our kids too, as dads, when we're when we're engaged in their in their lives and they see us as all-in equal allies with our partners. Our sons are more likely to have a, a more gender, you know, a more inclusive perspective of gender roles out there about how we combine work and family. And they're going to take that into the workplace when they get there. And our daughters, when they see us as dads being these engaged allies at home. They're more likely to persist in their careers, reach their career goals and aspirations. And really important, go into more non-traditional professions like STEM, like medicine, like law, like finance out there that have been traditionally male dominated for so long. And if we're going to get the gender balance, we've got to begin to do that.
0: com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: The next part is really about how do we translate that into the workplace about being an all-in ally at home?
2: Yeah. So I'll, I'll just give you, Eric, a couple of the key things you asked about. How do these guys get started? And, you know, beyond home, you know, here are a few things that come top of mind to me. Number one, educate yourself, right? If you're really serious about getting better at this and learning, don't, don't put the burden on female colleagues to have to explain gender equity and, 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 and help you get better. Go ahead and, you know, read good guys. Um, go ahead and look at webinars, listen to this podcast. Um, you know, there's so much out there on gender inclusion and the value of diversity that we men can, can actually educate ourselves. One of the things that Dave and I find that, that sometimes frustrates us is when we go speak at gender inclusion and diversity events, you look out, And the audience and it's all women. And that has been the case for years and years. Men just don't show up. And, you know, part of it may be men don't see that they have a role to play, but they also are just not taking the initiative to engage uh, in these topics. They don't see it as part of their leadership brand. They see it as a woman's thing. And I I need to start by educating myself. Um, I can have more exposure with women. If I have anxiety, how about just engaging more? Take a, a junior woman, talented woman to coffee for a half an hour and ask about her career and how you might contribute to that. Recognize all women are not the same. Right. Um, women are not a monolith. Women of color experience the workplace very differently. Black women have such different experiences, feeling invisible, having the double jeopardy experience of facing the bias related to both uh, their black status and the, their gender status. And, you know, I can take time and actually not only educate myself, but when the moment is right and I've established some trust with female colleagues, I can actually ask about their experience. Have a learning orientation. Have some real humility and curiosity and say, you know, I am so interested and I, I've been I've been wondering about what it's been like for you as the only woman of color in our whole division. Um can I just ask? And if I'm not sure she'll want to share that with me, I can just ask to ask, right? Would it be okay if I asked this because I really want to understand. And I'm curious about things I could be getting better at today that might make your experience here better.
0: I want to call attention real quick to I don't know if either of one of you used the term, but you call it uh, gq gender intelligence yes. and uh, yep. I, i'm curious uh specific i want to kind of i want to make sure we nail that right is that kind of just the home you know the 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 home part of it or is that just is that an all encompassing kind of a thing
1: it's it's all encompassing i think you know we we actually um, i think we focus in the book a little more on the aspects related to the workplace and and really about how women experience the workplace in many ways differently than we as men do and understanding what those experiences look like, what's causing those experiences, what's happened in terms of maybe her own, her socialization, what's happened in terms of my socialization of how we interact as, as colleagues and as peers in the workplace and how that translates into behavior.
0: Got it. Okay. Um, I think then one of the other things that can be somewhat daunting, uh, yeah you know as as a male as a guy who is venturing out into one increasing their gender intelligence but then two uh not just going from a a head and a heart kind of okay i've gathered information and i and i've seen experience or experienced it myself firsthand even though it's not against me this inequality they they want to fix it they want to be an ally they want to help but they're obviously as they help and as they are a more um, proactive ally, they're going to face obstacles in that regard as well. Uh, what are some of those obstacles, and and how can they help with them or overcome them?
2: Yeah, I can I can jump in, and Dave, I know you'll have a bunch, but let me just give you a couple that are top of mind, Eric. So things that men uh, face as obstacles, you know, number one, he may be concerned that if he suddenly starts really leaning in and talking about gender equity and disrupting stuff in the workplace that may not be appropriate, or he he calls out another guy for some egregious, sexist comment, he may be worried, right, that he's going to get pushback and that, you know, he the, the research literature calls this the wimp penalty concern, right? So men are afraid, hey, I'm going to lose my man card. If I start standing up for equity and I start pushing other men to get better and holding not only myself accountable, but other men, I worry how this is going to land and I worry if I'm going to suffer Consequences, and you know, I think a lot of guys are worried about. So, I think that's one thing. What are other men going to say, and what penalties will I face? And then the other is, you know, how will women receive this? If suddenly I'm really interested in in equity and inclusion, and the experience of my female colleagues, and how I can get better, um, sometimes women, rightly so, are a little dubious about this guy, right? And and they may it may take a little while to earn some trust with those female colleagues. They need to see that you're not just talking the talk. They need to see you're walking it too. So so don't be impatient if you're a guy in that context. Recognize that you have work to do to kind of demonstrate that your heart's not only in the right place, but that you can keep things that are in confidence that you are genuinely humble about what you don't know, that you really want to learn, that you really want to understand her experience, that when she hears, you know, we call this the friend test, when she hears about something you said about her when she wasn't in the room, that it was positive and affirming, really, that you had her back. I think this all takes time. And, you know, so if you're worried about how women will respond, um, we have not found in our work that women, uh, you know, object to men becoming allies or, or, you know, are not willing to partner with men. I think women have been willing to do that for a long time. Men have just not shown up. So um, I think those are two of the things, Dave, any others come to mind for you? I think
1: that consistency part in particular is really important that that women see us doing this all on a, in a consistent manner every every day. And in particular, because I think there's this the skepticism in particular will come out and we've seen this, you know, even in the United States here more recently around race, um, that it becomes more performative, right? That it's it's being done, you know, to make you look good or or to make you look good at because the boss is in the room or somebody else is in the room, right? It, so it, it had to do with the fact that somebody else was there or not there in that case. And, and again, women see right through that. And, and as allies, we, we've got to be consistent in that work. And it's, it's interesting. The research also shows that, you know, as guys, when we're in these groups, and sometimes even today, we will find we'll, we'll still be in a space where it, it might be just men, in that meeting or in that in that team or in that space at the time. And that uh, that doesn't mean that it's OK still for for things to be said that are biased, that are sexist, that, uh, again, that we would that we find offensive and and let them go. We've got to confront even when we're in those situations. Again, the uh, the conformity in our expectation, what shows in the research is that we we have this assumption, this accept that other men have a really high level of acceptance of sexist behavior or biased behavior in this way. The reality is that most men don't. It just takes one person, right, to speak up and to say something to disrupt that status quo of what we think everybody else accepts out there.
0: Yeah, like you said, if it was an all-male meeting, there was no females in the room, that then it somehow would be acceptable, hypothetically, in some people's minds that talk would happen in the regard of boys will be boys. And Mm -hmm. I just... I I heard that about 4 years ago or a little before that and didn't buy it then and I don't buy it now. <laughs> so
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I think David is right on Eric that this is really a litmus test for us guys. You know, it's one thing when women are in the room or women are in the meeting, you know, it feels we have some allies automatically in the room when we start, you know, pushing back and pushing for equity. Um, it's different when it's all dudes in the room. Right. And I think that is when the anxiety peaks. And that is the real challenge. And, you know, Dave and I even w- we notice when men are willing to call things out, sometimes, you know, in a mixed gender audience, they'll attribute their willingness to do that to the fact that there are women in the room, right? So, so the intervention may go something like this after a sexist comment or joke. Hey, hey, Bob man, come on, Mary's in the room. And, you know, our message to that guy is, well, you, you kind of got halfway there, but you really didn't do the ally thing all the way. If you're going to do that, you got to own it. Don't attribute your concern to Mary being in the room. You got to say, Hey, that's not okay with me. Here's why it doesn't land the right way with me. It's not appropriate. We don't do that here. I don't appreciate it. I got to own it and I'm not going to attribute it to someone else. That I think is getting allyship to a different level where you really internalized it it's not just based on the environment you're in
0: that's almost just the the other side of the coin uh well come on guys there's a lady present as if that is you know again that's the other side of the coin of the boys will be boys that it's like it's appropriate only when it's all guys versus not and it's it's just a double standard. And that, I mean, I, and in effect, that's what we're kind of arguing against here is that double standards here should not exist. So um, I'm curious what I know that as you, you said, you've gone to different conferences, and they've been mostly females that are attending. I'm curious what some of the things are that you hear from them and or what do you say to them, uh, especially in light of this book?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, in, in these Women's leadership conferences and, and other, again, women's ERGs, I think is another great space that Brad and I often get to, get to talk to mostly female audiences out there. That, uh, you know, the, the question is, you know, how do, what's our role too, right? As women in engaging men in allyship? How do we, how do we promote allyship or, um, what should we do to, to make make men feel more comfortable in doing this I said, well first of all it's, it's not necessarily your role to make men feel more comfortable in doing this but there is a role i think in terms of um, being receptive to collaboration being receptive to these kinds of close collegial relationships and and getting into a close enough relationship where we can begin to develop trust. And I think this is the key element here that, again, without the trust, we're not going to get to the, the really important feedback. Uh, we're not going to share the insights, the learning. Um, and again, how we show up as men in those relationships is important, but for women too, how they show up in those, re- for those relationships to meet us again, meet us halfway. Because again, at the end of the day, uh, this is about collaboration and we have to do this together together. Um, if we're going to get to the finish line again, women, women have, I think, advanced it, advanced this, uh, their cause as far as they possibly could for the most part up until now. And, and it's, I think at this point, it's, it's important for men to, to be engaged in collaborating with women to get us the rest of the way. And, and I think we'll get us the rest of the way much more quickly if we didn't. But that collaboration re- is going to require them to think about how they're going to show up with us as guys. And so sometimes that's um, thinking about positive reinforcement as well. So if, a, if there's a guy out there who is getting it right, he, and he's trying really you know again intentions are good out there it's give them some positive reinforcement um and and because a lot of times we don't actually know when we're getting it you know do we get it just right or not how do we how do we do in that case or that situation or if we didn't quite get it right again how do we approach how do women approach us in giving us that kind of feedback in a way that again as guys knowing that Again, we're not really maybe all that comfortable with these conversations. We're not used to being in the situation where we're the ones who have to show a lot of humility and a learning orientation that we're learning here and we're going to make mistakes. So, by the way, I'm not perfect. Um, and, and Brad and I, you know, we always like to give women examples of what this looks like. And one of our favorites was... Um, when Brad and I wrote our first book, uh, which you know the title was Athena Rising, well, that was not the working title of the book. And right up until just a few months before we went to to the press, um, our female editor she came to us and said, "You know, guys, I'd like to sit down and talk to you a little bit about the title, your working title for the book." And we said, "Yeah, that'd be great." Uh, Guiding Athena was our working title. And we thought wow this is just such a great title we love it it's it's aspirational for us as men and men will you know resonate with that and guiding is a great synonym for mentoring that most people understand and we thought yeah, that's, it's just a great title what do, what do you want to talk about it's like well have you ever thought about how that might land with women and we're like hmm hadn't really thought about that too much and that's a part of our audience obviously is in terms of, of readers out there and it was just like this aha moment that, wow, you know, women probably don't need to be don't want to be hurt, read or be told that they're needed to be guided in, in this way. And it's like, wow, that just it was an eye opening moment for us that is like, you know, we just didn't have that perspective and we didn't have that. That was a blind spot for us. And without her, her trust and, and really direct feedback and, and, you know, again, being able to come to us and, and talk to us in a way that would, again, in, Encourage us to move forward in a better direction. And we did it, by the way. I think we came up with a, with their help, but came up with a much better title. You know, we were able to do that. And so it takes, you know, it takes collaboration with, for, with each other to be able to do this.
0: I think that's actually a, a great example. And again, if I am naive or not uh hitting on all the aspects here, as I say this, uh I'm still learning too. But I think what it points to is not only is this an equality issue, it also goes beyond that to state that we only all succeed as humans, as businesses, as teams, when everybody is involved, everybody has a say. And so, for example, like your book title, which is a very small example, something much better came out of what you were originally intending because somebody else got to speak in to the, uh, you know, some, some amount of diversity spoke into the situation and it wasn't just a single source.
1: Absolutely. And that's, yeah. that's, that is the whole point, right? That diversity broadly makes us all better individually and better as a group, as a, whether it's as a family, as a society, as a team, as an organization, it makes us better and more
2: effective. Yeah. And I'll, I would just add, Eric, you know, that uh, our editor at that time, uh, her name was Erica and, and without Erica's voice, and without and, and the fact that Erica was a woman, we needed a woman's perspective. We needed her voice. Without that, we just would have missed it, right? We just it just totally wouldn't have registered. So that diversity you're referring to—that's uh, exactly why teams succeed when they are really inclusive and diverse. You know, different perspectives, more creative. They just have better ideas.
0: Oh man. I, I think that, you know, as we wrap up here, I, I want to point, uh, out to anybody, uh, if there's a, a way for them to get more of a taste of the book than just what we've talked about here, uh, if they're still on the fence about buying it, but I would just say go ahead and buy it. I've looked and saw that not only is this book, um, as well as your, uh, previous book. When I, when I go to Amazon, I see this book, your previous book, and then the other recent one that a lot of people have been buying, um, uh, about white fragility, uh, all purchased together. So it's all kind of bundled into one thing. And I'm like, yeah, uh, there's definitely a wave of change coming here, which is kind of cool to see. Yeah. So, but, uh, is there anywhere people can go to find out more and, and dive into the book a little bit more if they're on the fence about, uh, this topic and the book itself? Yeah, I I would
2: recommend that people go to the the website Dave and I have. It's called workplaceallies.com and at workplaceallies.com you'll you'll be able to read a lot more about the book. You'll find links uh, if you want to purchase a book there, you'll also find discussion guide, you know, for good guys. It'll kind of walk you through some internal discussion you can have. It can be used in groups to have conversations, you know, especially if men want to um sort of up their brand as an ally and participate with other men in getting better. It's a nice way to do that. And, and then there are other, you know, there are webinars and you can see Dave and I speak. And so, yeah, I think that's a good place to go.
0: Great. Very cool. I I will definitely link up to that as well in the show notes so people can find that quickly and easily. And uh, David and Brad, thank you so much for being willing to come and talk about this topic on this show. I know that, again, for a lot of people, this is a, a le- out of left field kind of a topic for productivity, but I hope that people can see that tangentially and then also directly, this relates to it. And so thank you so much for being here. Great talking with you. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Eric, for having us. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your podcast listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation about this topic. And I know, again, this is not a normal, quote, productivity topic. But at Beyond the To-Do List, we're all about being beyond the to-do list and pulling in those tangents that connect to productivity. And since this is a workplace issue, but also goes beyond that, I thought it just made sense to have this conversation. And honestly, it was, again, enlightening for me personally. So I hope that you got something out of this. If you did get something out of this and you know somebody else who needs to hear this conversation, I'd love for you to share this episode with those that you know need to hear it. And you can do that by just hitting the share button on your podcast player app of choice where you're listening to this or head to the show notes over at beyondthetodolist.com and share from there. Thanks again for sharing. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next episode.